Don't. Don't open that box. What have you done? You shouldn't have opened it. You shouldn't have opened it. Open Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spin Posh presents the Mystery Box, a new show, a new style. Uh, we're going to be experimenting around with a few different things. I'm Ryan Slowinski. I'm Bartek Kasprzyszak. Yes, and we are both Spin Polish, likingly, because we are always spitting. And yes, we are both Polish. That gag does not change, no matter what the show is. We will not change that. Yes, and this is the pilot episode of the mystery box. The mystery box. The mystery box. There's a mystery in the box. Ah. But what's in the box? Some movies that we watched. The mystery box is where we, Ryan and I, are IRL in real life, find <laughs> obscure <laughs> movies in obscure places, such as um. What are they called? Like op shops or Goodwill or something yeah, like that? Yeah, opportunity shops, Goodwill shops. Maybe random things we find in the corners of a cash converter's DVD section. We find films, quote-unquote films. films. <laughs> we, we find DVDs of, um, you know, media that we've ne- we may not have heard of before. Yeah, complete or, mysteries. Or, or could be something that, you know, maybe we have heard of but only like once a million years ago. Yeah, yeah. Things that we just we just don't know what they are. And we bring them onto this show with a guest. We still have the guest format. Ooh. And we, we watch them prior to recording, like very, very soon before we record. Yeah. We pretty much come record right after we watch them. And we go in pretty much blind. Yeah, we, we walk in blind. Maybe we find out like one detail beforehand, but generally blind. We were blind this episode. Yeah. And we give our thoughts on what these obscure properties are. Yeah, that's or, uh, right. Adaptations. One of these properties is a, you know, it's an established property for this episode. But, but yeah. ooh, don't give it too much away. So yeah, that's the pitch. Don't we, read the title, guys. We we watch <laughs> random films to us, completely blind or with some semblance of an idea. Whether we look at just what the synopsis on the back is or the cover, or you know, you can kind of just gaze, but pretty much blind. And um, I, I think at the core of it, we don't look them up. We don't look them up. And we are joined with a guest that's very important to the Spin Polish family. Yes. We are joined with uh, the first ever guest we had on our other show, Unappreciated Masterpieces. And it will be the first ever guest on this one, Will Brooks. Hello, listening people. What is crack and or a lacking? We watched two amazing films. One is crack and one's lacking. So, <laughs> so, Will, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, first time for everyone for this, obviously. Mm-hmm. And what we are doing is, well, it's nearly, you know, it's Christmas time. And I thought, well, let's get some of the random Christmas movies that I found at the say. At, I found or someone has found. 
Um, we have two interesting oh, yeah, yeah. films that we are going to cover. They are shortish. One's like 60 an hour long and the other one's just under an hour long. Um, we have two interesting little films. The first we will be covering is The Legend of Frosty the Snowman. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corncob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Frosty the Snowman is a fairy tale they say. He was made of snow but the children know that I just want to give a bit of a, 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 a little bit of backstory about Legend of Frosty the Snowman. Um, I found this in an op shop. I found this at the Salvation Army. I bought it along with many other DVDs that I wanted to cover on this show. I bought this for $2.25. The cover is of cartoony characters who look like they're supposed to be children, but they look like adults. Um, and there's obviously Frosty on the front of it, opening a chest with what appears to be the story of Frosty the Snowman as a book. And that's brilliant. And I got this from an op shop completely blind. Will, could you give us and the uh, listening people a bit of a rundown of um, the film The Legend of Frosty the Snowman, told and sung by... Burt Reynolds. Well, okay. The film is The Legend of Frosty the Snowman, told and sung by Burt Reynolds. Though we will find out it wasn't quite as sung as we were promised. <laughs> just so, just to let now, you all know, the reason why we, these two gentlemen have been specifying told and sung by Burt Reynolds <laughs> is because it's on the front cover. It says it right <laughs> It's right in the opening in the credits. It's in the opening corner. credits of the film. Told and <laughs> sung by Burt Reynolds. And it's it's uh, it's a it's a magical story, Frosty's all new magical movie, and basically it's order versus chaos. Okay. Frosty the Snowman always goes where he is needed most. And right now, no one needs Frosty more than a boy named Tommy Tinkerton in a town called Evergreen. The the town Evergreen is under a sort of fascist dictatorship by the mayor and he's obsessed with order and perfection yeah just to be clear the town is structured like a typical um 19... idealistic 1950s uh suburban suburban americana town yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all very perfect all very square yeah and rectangular as well so there's this mayor who's running the town with a strict iron fist of um order but he's a nice man, voiced by SpongeBob SquarePants. Tom Kenny. Everyone's <laughs> favourite Kenny. He's running this town, but what happens? So where what happens next? So the town's running perfectly. Everyone's happy. Everything is ordered until one day <laughs> this magical hat starts coming around. No. And that's when things get crazy. That's where things get chaotic. Chaotic. It starts throwing things around. Hmm. And he starts appearing to the kids in the town. One down, the rest of Evergreen to go. He's destroying the town to unite the people. It's the typical chaos theory, you know, you know the idea of the chaos theory, yeah? like, you know, the more 
destruction and violence and war that we create, the greater we become technologically, philosophically. And that's what Frosty's all about in this film. He's kind of like, hey, you guys have straight lines? Let's bend those lines. Yeah, but basically, when we talk about order and chaos, it just comes down to the two ideas of order. Things are, you know, really set in place. There are rules. Um, if, if you go to the alignment system, it's law and chaos. Mm. Chaos doesn't necessarily mean like you, I, if you're not familiar with it, you might think chaos is like, oh, bad. bad. You, you could jump to like the chaotic evil, whereas in reality, chaotic good, which is an alignment, is considered yeah. like one of the main heroic alignments. That yeah, that's get. Bugs Bunny. Yeah, yeah so I'm not saying Frosty's a bad man. He's a good man, a good <laughs> snowman. Yeah. He's a snowman. So he's bringing chaos for good. So he represents the chaos third of that alignment, but he's of the chaotic good. <laughs> Whoa, you're Frosty the snowman. I know. Our main character is one of the two sons of the mayor of the town. He is an automaton-like kid like everybody else. This town is run to a point of efficiency in which everyone walks in straight lines. The only time you don't walk in a straight line is when you slip over and have an accident. But other than that, everyone's a happy little automaton in this world. But like Will said, Frosty's hat... Gains the attention of our main hero kid, Tommy. Mm -hmm. Tommy starts noticing this hat around town. He follows the hat, but oh, he never gets to catch the hat. Frosty comes in. He interacts one at a time with each and every single kid that we get to meet. He throws snowballs and teaches them things that they want to know, you know, like how to ice skate, how to build snowmen, how to create snowballs, you know. All that, and he influences them to become real kids. And that destroys the hierarchy and the system put in place in this town, slowly but surely. And we should point out that this is a G-rated film. It's targeted at kids, um, but it does play around with uh, some conventions of storytelling. Like, for example, we've talked about our main character, Tommy. Yeah. He is the main character, but for a long time, he's out of focus. Yeah. It almost felt like he was like a decoy protagonist of some sort, but then towards the end, he does kind of lead, uh, you know, the, the, the good guy side towards uh, uh, overcoming the main conflict. As happens. Yeah. Tommy is kind of not in the film, kind of, but he's our hero. He does not get to interact with Frosty himself till... Yeah, the end. Yeah, near the end. The fantastic narrator Burt Reynolds, who appears throughout the film, points uh, out uh, at one point yeah. that um, yeah, yeah, the hat hangs out, tries to follow him first because the hat's flying around. Um, it tries to hang out with him first, but he's so, I guess, I he's getting say chewed out. He's chewed out a lot to the point in which he can't get to interact with the hat. Like the principal of the school he, yells he, at him, and he never gets to interact with the hat because people are like telling him to like. Buckle up. Yeah, he, he he falls in line with the order thing, like, kind of reluctantly. Mm. So the hat decides, okay, well, I'll find someone else. And the narr- when he finds someone else, the narrator points out that he finds the kid l- you'd think would be least likely to jump into the, the side of chaos. Mm, yeah. The narrator is Burt Reynolds, the legendary actor from Smoking the Bandit and um, Fireball Mudflaps is the narrator. It is this old man... Mm. who opens up the chest that is wrapped in chains at the start. He, he introduces the film. Quite a number film. of chests. Yeah, there's quite a number of chests within chests. He unwraps it and a hat flies out. It's a frosty hat. And he goes into the Evergreen Town and he's telling you about all of these events. 
and no one interacts with him at all ever during the proceeding of the film like no one ever sees him no one ever says anything to Burt Reynolds Burt Reynolds is just guiding you through the story of Tommy and his adventures or misadventures basically sometimes the camera pans out into the foreground and Burt Reynolds is there looking at the camera talking to you the audience you see a lot of times with narrators in things like this where they're actually physically in the town doing something you know, unlike the narrator in Rocky Horror who's, like, telling the story to us from the future backwards, this narrator's telling us what we think is in the present of the story. He's, like, a citizen of the town, you think. Usually... I didn't think, but I see what you mean. Yeah, but usually in stories like that, the narrator, when they cut to him, he's usually doing something, so... This film didn't do that a lot of the time. Like, you'll just cut to, like, the camera will pan over and he'll just be standing there waiting and there would be no... He, he would be watching the action. You know? No, 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 no. Sometimes, Sometimes he was peering through the window or yeah, just no, no, stalking some... them through the forest. <laughs> Sometimes he would be reading a paper and he'd put the paper down or sometimes he'd be carving into a tree. His but shit, most yeah. of the time... <laughs> It would just go over to him. He's already waiting for the camera, like a reporter waiting. But he's not watching them sometimes. He's just standing there. It's like he's aware of what's happening and he's about to tell you about it. He's like, yeah. did you see that there? I didn't, but did you? Yeah, basically I just thought of it as being like a storytelling mechanic. Like, oh, you know, this is made for kids. So, and the narrator addresses the kids. He's not actually part of the story. He's not going to accidentally bump into a character and say, oh, sorry, mate. Or uh, imagine if he did, though. <laughs> In that voice. <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate. It's funny, then, I, know, I don't use then, the word mate much. And then Larry <laughs> Miller is the principal turns around and he's like, get out of here, you Australian bastard. And he's like, oh, alrighty then, I'm Burt Reynolds. And then walks away. Bogan Reynolds. Bogan Reynolds? <laughs> Bogan Reynolds. As told and sung by Bogan Reynolds. Frosty the cunt man He's the cuntiest man I've met And that's the whole entire thing You've got the dad Who as you said Despite the fact that he keeps the town under this sort of Rigid sort of order He's he's a nice guy Great guy Deep down Great guy He's Spongebob Great guy It's a good, it's a good point the, the worst dictators Are the ones who think they're doing it for our own good <sighs> it's, a, it's a beautiful point It's a beautiful point Beautiful. Um, and he's got his son, and he's got his other son, Tommy. And do we remember what the older son's um, name was? Jimmy. Or no. Tommy. Tommy and everyone. Jimmy boy. Jimmy boy. Uh, no, it was Charlie. Charlie. Yes. That's Tommy it. and Charlie. They're both E's. Tommy. Charlie. See? And he's really he's the number one son yeah. at the point. And there's there's tension there. There's there tension because Tommy, he isn't fitting in. He's going along with it. But he isn't. Um, this is all in the first five minutes. As well. This oh, is all in the first five oh, it's minutes. A, it's a deep film. It's, <laughs> it's rich. There's a lot. So the Tinkerton family are the ones. They're the, they're the prestige of the town. We get to meet um, the love interest, which is Sarah Simple of the Simple family. Tommy is in love with the girl because there's always a girl. He's too afraid to talk to her. He tries to talk to her at one point about pencils, and she's like, "Tommy, I'm not interested in pencils. I'm interested in the piano." Leave me alone. Well, no, but yeah. Is she not interested in the piano? She's she's forced <laughs> to be interested in the piano by her overbearing <laughs> yeah. mother. But I don't want to stay cooped up in my room all day, mother. I want to go outside and play. Playing is overrated. When I was a girl, do you know what my favorite after-school activity was? 
having mother brush my hair. And with long sweeping strokes do we brush. Brush! You see, Sarah, every girl is a princess. And her hair is her crown. She's got this distant father. He's always asleep. And her, she's, got, he's, she's got this very overbearing mother. Obsessed with keeping her hair straight and forcing her to do piano. And she's worried about her setting her up with a suitor and everything. She's, she's yeah. controlling her life. Sort of living through her and forcing her to be like she wants her to but be. But what does Sarah want to be? She wants to be... A city planner. <laughs> An urban planner. Just urban in general. But I don't want to be a princess. I want to be an urban planner. She wants to follow her dreams to plan out the suburbs. <laughs> Specifically, he want, she, the mum wants Sarah to play the piano, uh, the scales exactly as they're Yeah, because be. they're fun. Yeah, no improvising. Uh, no, that's for jazz devils. She wants to follow her dreams... And the, but the mother wants to force her to follow her own dreams, the mother's dreams. And then we move from Sarah, who's... That's her crisis. Now we move over to, to the Walter. other black character in the film, Walter. Everyone's favourite Judas Iscariot, Walter, who is also a character... Just to, before you explain him, Walter's design is he's got, like, the big head and goofy nerd glasses, and he has this kind of wimpy aesthetic. So you're thinking, looking at him, well, Walter's going to be the nerd, right? Walter's going to be, like, well, he's going to be the wimpy kid, right? Tell us his crises at the start of the movie. Well, he's incredibly nervous. He's neurotic. Oh, wow. And his his parents are also quite overbearing. They cause him... He's, he's a sensitive soul Sense. when it comes to stress. And his parents call him cause him a great deal of stress. And he's he's not very good at things. He tries to wash the dishes and he gets absolutely soaked. Yeah. He's, this, this is... He's afraid this of his is, mother. Yes, he yes, yes. He's terrified of his mother. He's got an Oedipus complex. Yes, yes. He's both simultaneously terrified and wants to fuck his mother. <laughs> it's... it's it's dark stuff, I've got to tell you. That's why it's a G-rated film. <laughs> exactly. That's... It's G for Oedipus. So then... There's an awkward scene where he explained to Frost... But then something unexpected <laughs> happens. See, you might think that the hat will first... Tommy will first get to the hat. And yeah, you think be... your main character would be the one to discover the magical entity and try and explain it to the rest of the kids... But no! <laughs> this film doesn't play by your rules. Yeah. It's what happens, Bart? <laughs> well, uh, the narrator, Burt Reynolds, mentions that you'd expect him to go to the th you know, the main character, but no, he goes to the least likely kid you'd hmm. think to turn to chaos, and that ends up being Walter. The wimpy kid, Walter. And what does he do to influence him with chaos? To uh, change his nervous outlook for the rest of the film? What does he do in that magical night he spends... He flies around his room, and then he flies into Walter, who Walter grabs him, and then he flies around the town. They go out... As a hat? As just a hat? As just He's a hat. on the hat at this time. He's still... Yeah, we still not seen... yet to meet Frosty. Just a hat. Yeah, no snow man yet. Uh, they he have... appeared in the window. Yeah, they, they crash into snow, I believe, and it creates a huge pile. Yeah, it and... creates a very suspicious-looking yeah, pile. It, it, it's this weird shape. Come with... Uh, follow me on this audience. <laughs> Come with him, guys. <laughs> Come with me. Call me, guys. Um, he crashes into the pile, and it almost looks like a three-layered pile, where, like, yeah. the bottom is, like, really wide, and then the middle layer is, like, bit thinner, and the top one bit more thinner. 
That's an ideal body right there. It it reminds me a bit of this thing. The Polish word for it is uh, bałwan, which in English, your word for it is snowman. Our word for it, well, just ours. It well, just in English. In English, it's... It, no, but like, the collective English. <laughs> okay, no, no. okay, well, the collective English speakers took our word. Damn them. I Damn them! I can't believe the fucking Anglosphere took my fucking snowman word. Those imperialist Remember at the beginning of this episode when you said you were Polish, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, Go the hat goes on top of the pile, and all of a sudden it becomes our titular character. All right, Tommy. Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> it becomes this, this, the title isn't Frosty Tommy the, the Snowman. Or something. Told and sung by Burt Reynolds. <laughs> so does that mean Frosty's voiced by Burt Reynolds? No, he's only told and sung by Burt Oh, Reynolds. okay. So, so whenever Frosty, our titular character, not Tommy. How good would it be if the hat got on the snowman and it just turned into Tommy and he's like, what the fuck are you doing, Walter? And he's like, oh. Yeah, he's not Burt Reynolds, but who is he, Ryan? Who, the snowman? Yeah, voiced by... Oh, he's voiced by Patrick Starr from Spongebob. This is kind of like a Spongebob reunion, um... With only those two characters, though, Um, Spongebob and, um, Patrick are in the movie. Uh, look, I'm not strong with voice actresses and stuff, or voice actors and actresses, but there's so many people, like, there's... There's Tom Kenny, there's Tara Strong, there's... Grey Delisle is there, I believe. Yeah, Tress, um, Tress McNeil? I swear she's one of the people who does Simpsons as well, I want to say. Okay. McNeely, and there's so many strong character actors in this film that really amplifies the film. What happens with Frosty? You know, what does what does our, our non-hero character Walter do with Frosty that makes him go from being a straight-A student to a rebel? They have a snowball fight. They have a snowball fight? That's that's pretty impressive. But but here's something I got asked. Did Walter wear a helmet? He didn't, which is why when the prospect of a snowball fight came up, he he cowered. He became fearful. He became he became he started backing off. Did they hurt though? When he got hit by it, he realized it didn't hurt. Oh, so that means he he becomes an asshole. It be- means that he becomes like our modern day interpretation of what a child should be. Yeah. Free. Oh, yeah. Cheerful. And all the other kids, they notice this. And they're like, I hate this. <laughs> then we have, we for, let's not forget, our other family of kids. We don't get to see their home life. But there's these three identical triplets. They're three identical redhead triplets. And their problem is no one can tell them apart. Um, and then Frosty can, and then they feel good about themselves, and that's their storyline done, like, in one scene. They surf on some trash. Oh, no, they (laughs) surf on some snow with some trash. No, they were taking out the trash, Will. So, with Frosty, he's a character who brings joy to kids in a way that doesn't come across as the order side of things in the town. No. He doesn't play by rules, which isn't to say that he's a bad guy, he just thinks that fun is fun. He thinks fun is fun, and there should be no limitations or restrictions on fun. So he, and, and a lot of gags throughout the film are basically how he reacts to certain things, or things he says about things. Like we mentioned earlier, those triplets were taking out the trash. Those were her, their words. Taking out the trash. Taking out the what trash. So, and he reacts to that not so much as, you know, we'd be like, Oh, okay, yeah, that's what you're doing. You're carrying bins. He, he reacts, reacts by going, that's a great idea. Yeah, no, no. yeah, he reacts like, that's a great idea. And also, 
oh, you can do that? <laughs> like, like, he's like, I've never thought about that. Like, I guess you can take the trash out. Brilliant idea. Let's break down their storyline and how they get affected, because theirs is the shortest, right? Frosty sees them taking out the trash, like we said, and he goes, great idea, guys! I've got a better idea! Let's take the trash out somewhere else! He leads them to, like, the mountain of the town. Yeah, hill, yeah. The snow mountain of the town, the hill. And they're all carrying the trash cans. they got them in front of them, and they're like, now here's a place where you can take out the trash! <laughs> and we all thought, just, all of us thought... Just to be clear, and this, this isn't early in the film. This is midway through the so film. So we've already got an idea of how Frosty works. So, and so we had a theory of what he was <laughs> he's, gonna He's do. like a chaotic child, basically. Yeah. So Frosty's like, now we take out the trash! And we all thought, they're gonna just throw the trash down the hill. But no! Like cover the town in rubbish. Cover yeah. the town in trash. Yeah. But no, they just take off the lids and use them as, as like, um... No, they, they say something first, Ryan. Oh, what do they say? They say... Trash, this is the town. Town, this is trash. So they take off the trash lid and ride them down the mountain as sleds. And then they're happy. They're happy. That's the end of their storyline. Like, people mistake them all the time, but that's never set up. (laughs) Ever. Like, no one ever is like, oh, you're Sonny. And he goes, no, I'm Sally. You know, no, that never happens. Yeah, that didn't happen. They did appear earlier in the film in a cafeteria scene, and they did all look the same. I did say, is that the same character animated a few times over? And then they said, we're brothers. I'm like, oh, that's fine then. That's their story done. Frosty's like, I've saved these kids. I can't even hear myself think with that racket. You should be practicing your scales. But scales are so repetitive. We have Sarah Simple and her crisis of, oh, her mum's uptight and she wants to be an urban planner. Frosty visits her. And what does he, what does he do to her? He sets her spirit free. And he does this by teaching her how to ice skate. And then we have... Our other character of Charlie, the older brother to Tommy. The he, main character, just to remind you. <laughs> there is a main character called Tommy. So Charlie is a bit of a militaristic guy. He's a bit of an asshole. He's the dad's favourite because he obeys the rules and enforces the rules that the dad enforces upon the town as the mayor of the town. Charlie is the guy at one point the family has, <laughs> the family has a family dinner. Yes. In which it's a quiz show dinner where, like, a sign pops down, says quiz dinner, and they have to answer these quiz questions, which there are only one, there's only one quiz question, and Charlie gets it. He's like, how do you eat soup correctly? And he gives you, like, this long, complicated answer, and then Tommy's sad because he lost. He goes, don't worry, and the dad goes, don't worry, son. That's why we have... No, the mom actually says, don't worry, son. That's why we have the bonus round. And so there's a bonus round. And then, again, Charlie comes in. This is how he starts. He comes in. He gets all that right. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. what foods can you eat with your fingers? And he just lists all he of them. He lists all of them except for bananas. So, um, you know, he, he lists them. I noticed. Charlie has everything going for him. But since Frosty's influencing these kids in a negative way, seemingly to the system, which Charlie enforces heavily, he gets affected by the system when he starts 
harassing Tommy and and Walter and all that about the snowman existing. He he's in the cafeteria and he smashes a, a bowl of food and it splashes on the evil principal. Principal Hanky Panky. Hanky Panky. Uh, and and he gets into detention, which is a first. The school has never had detention before. Like the they detention had to, room has never been used before. Is they had to find the key. But Reynolds does tell and us that they Walter, had to find the key. Walter is on detention as well uh, for being a bad egg, being a part of the situation. And Charlie learns something. He learns... Well, he, he he knows everything already, seemingly. Like, Charlie says, Hey, you know, I know how to eat soup, and I know sand is not real. And I like to announce that sand is not real a few times in this film made for eight-year-old and under children. For general audiences. Yeah. For general audiences. I like to announce Sand is not real and never clarify that he is real for the young viewers not to know that I was wrong. To to kind of clarify, oh, Sander is real. No, I'm not going to do that. Never. That's never going to happen. He gets to see Frosty. And Frosty, what does Frosty teach him, guys? Just run around. <laughs> running around's fun. You know, like, do you like running? Charlie likes running. And from that moment well, on... Charlie's Char- prize for the quiz was to a victory lap around the yard. Yes. And Charlie gets to run around with Frosty. He gets to run around with Frosty. And then from then on... He's pretty much the same about enforcing rules, but he's a bit more lenient. Just a tad. And that's how Charlie's resolved. Charlie just becomes slightly less of a prick. And he has probably my favorite line in the entire (laughs) film, which is later on, Tommy wakes up. In the, Tommy has already woken up in the middle of the night. He's reading a very important article about Frosty the Snowman. And Charlie wakes up and he says in the most earnest voice, What is this? <laughs> like he, does, he, he wakes up and he says that. I know when I wake up, I often say that. What is this? I woke up this morning and I was just depressed. And I just go, What is this? That's Charlie. You know, we all know. We all wake up like that. We all wake up like Charlie. What is this? So tell us about Walt. So after Walter has a snowball fight with Frosty, he pretty much becomes confident to a cocky degree. Like when he comes home from playing with uh, Frosty, he's all wet from, you know, having played with said snow. And his mum asks him, like, where were you? What were you doing? He said, I was out. Having fun. Yeah. And she faints. She does faint. <laughs> she was like, she does fun. The, she does the typical like comedic faint of like, you know, hand on the forehead, falls back, oh, passed out. That kind yeah, of Yeah, and faint. his mum's a very sassy black woman as well. So she's like, what you doing? And he's like, I went out and had fun. Fun? <laughs> she does it really girly. Like, like, the woman is all like, what are you doing? Fun? And then she's like, And he kind of treats the whole idea of uh, having interacted with Frosty as a sort of exclusivity thing. Mm. Like, he... um, He makes a club. Yeah, he, Sarah, and Charlie, you know, hang out, they talk, and then whenever Tommy comes anywhere near them, they they go all hushy. At one point, Tommy tries to say something to them, and they said, this is a private conversation. Yeah. Get out of here. Fuck off. And he also has, you know, the whole conflict with... Frosty not hanging out with him for some reason, so he starts getting a bit worried, and it's to the point that the principal, who's the antagonist of the film, principal, he's been a devious type of character throughout the whole thing. 
Yeah. And he notices that uh, Walter is... Was there, a, was there a word they used in it? In the film? Walter? Feels? He was feeling... Oh no, you guys kept saying corrupted. That's what I'm Yes, Walter of. got corrupted by the ultimate power of Frosty the Snowman. He gets jealous and envious, but they don't play that too strong. Like, like for instance, there's a scene later where he's ice skating, because he knows Sarah likes to ice skate. And Frosty even says, I'm tired, it's getting a bit late now. Kind of indicating, I'm a magical being, and I'm done with this. And he is just so petulant. He's like, I want to keep going, come on, please! And then well, Frosty's that- like, oh, alright. I want to do the pirouette, like like the figure eight thing, like Sarah. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, in that scene, he had an ulterior motive. So he goes up to Walter, and he makes a deal with him that, you know, you can stay up late this one night, um, but you have to take out Frosty for me. Yeah. Yeah, and that is kind. That is the dastardly thing that makes Walter, Walter evil. Um, yeah, Walter is despicable. Yeah. He's evil. Um, the thing about Walter is he's 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 an elitist. He is corrupted and jealous, and he's a turncoat. <laughs> and then his resolve is to help save Frosty mm. from the evil principal Hanky Panky. Hanky Panky. Tommy is our main character, allegedly. And why we say allegedly is he's barely in the film as an active character. Like, he's there, he sees things, and he does do some things. He sees the hat, he follows the hat, the hat leads him to the library, he goes to the library, finds a comic book of the story of the Legend of Frosty, he grabs the comic book of The Legend of Frosty Snowman, he reads the story, and it's a story about a young boy whose father was a magician but didn't believe in magic. Then, in that story, it's about a young boy who discovers that his magician's father has a hat that is actual magic, because he's grown up believing magic isn't real, even though his dad's a magician, his dad is like, magic isn't real, be don't be silly. Yeah, he's a magician who does, like, you know, tricks, basically. Yeah, trickster. Just tricks. He's a, he's a, a normal magician. magician, he's not like a, a, a mage. Yeah. And he says, he discovers the hat's magical, and it's the frosty hat. And then, well, the hat disappears, and the boy doesn't know what happened and then that's the end of the comic book and even the kids like even tommy's like what the fuck's this yeah it's it's not that it ends it's that the rest of the pages are blank a uh, blank that's tommy's story is he finds the comic book that explains the backstory of frosty he then discovers slowly but surely that the kid in the comic book spoiler alert was his father the mayor and that when Frosty disappeared from his life, it made the mayor it made the mayor believe that Frosty was a figment of his imagination. Frosty did not come back. It in turn caused the strict non-belief of magic to be even harder into this little boy as he grew up into a full-grown adult. Thus, he has a town in which creativity and imagination and individuality has been removed for strict order yeah. it's not evil he's just a wounded individual and as the story plays out the more he learns about frosty being real the more damaged the father becomes he becomes yeah. more childlike he comes like he, he becomes his, comatose yeah. his characterization throughout the f- first you know two-thirds of the film is very cheesy i don't know what i'd do if i didn't have you 
always right there beside me, helping me keep things straight. That's okay, Dad. Oh, I, I was talking to the clipboard, son. He loves his clipboard. Yeah, clipboard. He physically loves it. The, the, he, 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 he dresses carries, it up in clothes. He carries around He's a clipboard throughout the whole film and treats it like a child of his own. We later learn specifically that the clipboard is the... Source of power. The symbol of who is the mayor. Tommy, our hero, bands together with the group of friends that aren't his friends, the other characters, makes them believe in the comic book, which leads to the favourite scene of mine in which... What is this? He makes Charlie believe... Then Charlie gets the others to come believe, but you know who's the doubting one? Walter. Walter's the last one to believe. He goes through getting Frosty captured and all this because he doesn't believe in Tommy. He doesn't like Tommy. But then Walter learns his lesson that Tommy was right all along. And that's Tommy's lesson at the end of the day is everyone should have listened to me. And that's really Tommy's story. Or so we think. Yes, because just like the comic book, it's not over. That's right. There's because more blank pages. as the events of the story plays out, they appear in the comic book. Hmm. But, oh my god. The narrator, Burt Reynolds, who's telling us this story, is revealed at the end. To not be in the present, but the future. And his wife calls him. His wife Sarah calls out for Thomas. And he says, no one knows Tommy better than me. And that's because he is Thomas, in case you couldn't figure that out. The lines were very, very, very sketchy with that. You know, like, it could have been hard to get that one. But I just want to give that as definitive answer. There's lots of characters in this film. So many characters. You have the principal who is the villain. His major goal is he wants to keep Frosty locked up and become the mayor slash principal of the town, rule it with an even harder iron fist because he's run, he's fueled by jealousy of the power that the mayor has and that everyone else has, right? That's our villain, our hero, the son of the mayor. You know, the fallen hero. The mayor is the fallen hero. Like, he was the hero of yesteryear, but fallen now. Mm. Right? You have Sarah, the heroine. She's a hero in her own right. She stands up to her own mother. She stands up for the system, against the system. She wants to make her own straight lines, in a way, with urban planning. Then you have Walter, the turncoat who redeems himself. You have the identical triplets who are... Identical triplets, you know, you have they carry around they want those lids. They carry around trash lids throughout the whole entire movie. They want their individuality. You have you know, you have the mum of Tommy who speaks like this a lot. Tommy can still redeem himself in the bonus round. Who is your favourite character in the film? It's, it's hard to say so many deep, deep character arcs. But I think I have to go with Frosty himself because he makes the whole <sighs> thing possible. I didn't even list Frosty. Yeah, I was those. wondering about that, the title character. Well, yeah, Frosty. <laughs> Why Frosty? What's special about Patrick Starr's voice as Frosty? I just love hearing Patrick Starr's voice act his voice. What was his? What was the, your favourite line of his, Will? Yeah. Oh, well... Oh, was it is it his second meeting with Walter or his first? It's second. Departs. It's second. It's with Charlie. It's he's with Charlie. There were other kids there. 
Yeah, and Frosty's leaving. This is like, I'm done with you now, Charlie and Walter. I've got to go off somewhere. Walter says, No, Frosty, come back. And Frosty says, Call me. <laughs> he not call only me, says, <laughs> he not only says, Call me. He snaps his fingers, points, and says, Call me. Call me. He literally swaggers out. Will and I burst into such hysterical laughter yeah, you did. <laughs> about that line. I laughed harder. Really. I think I laughed longer, but not as hard at, what is this? But the call me line just was so creepy. It was just so creepy. It's just like, call me. It's like, where did this come from? Does he have a phone? No. So, Bartek. Yes. There's many characters. Mm-hmm. You have a favorite. You're not going to list them all like you did with Will? All right. <laughs> and you've got to say the clipboard this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, speaking of the clipboard, I think my favourite character was the dad, the mayor. Oh, you were going to say it Tom was the clipboard. Well, he, he's the clipboard and him were a duo. So, Mayor Tinkerton yes. is he your favourite yeah, character. He was just really cheesy, really goofy. He is not a bad guy. He has good intentions and... While the, while, not, while the kids aren't necessarily happy, you know, he, he thinks that he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's doing the right thing. And as we learn later on, he's got a tragic backstory. I, I just thought, you know, he was a very good character, and he very much fit in well with the themes of the film. Uh, if I had to choose a favourite character in this marvel of a cinematic classic, I would have to choose Principal Hanky Panky. Hanky Panky. He's voiced by Larry Miller. What else do you need? Larry Miller's great as Principal Hanky Panky. Hanky Panky. Such an angry little man whose motive is he wants to become man of the month. Like, at the school, they have man of the month, that every man of the month is the mayor. Yeah, January and, through November. And he wants to be the man of the month. That's his motive. Something we've got to talk about about this film. Yes. Is, it says on the cover... Yeah, the S <laughs> And it says in the credits, told and sung by Burt Reynolds. There's a lot of telling, not a lot of singing. They interspersed the telling a fair bit. There were, there were times where like, we haven't seen him for a we while. We haven't seen him for a very long time. Oh, there he is. I think it comes with that whole idea of, you know, you're coming to... Uh, when you start a thing, you need to get up to speed with what the world is like. So throughout the first half, we see him more often... Mm-hmm. And then the second half, you know, interspersed a bit more. So that's the telling. No singing. Well, There's they song. Say no. He sings. No Frosty zero. the Snowman in the opening and closing credits. Beautifully, might I add. Yeah. And that's it. I was expecting, and this will go into now what we were expecting of the film. I was expecting this film to be a musical. I was expecting every single character to start singing. There's moments in the film where the music like cues up and you're thinking oh they're gonna break it in the song now and then no they don't they and, never sing and let's point this out Ryan you bought this like last year right uh, earlier this year earlier, earlier this year. year so a long time ago and throughout the year we've been talking about <laughs> doing this show the mystery box and Ryan had shown me his selection of films that we should do for it and every time he showed the frosty box and you know, we'd smile at it, he'd always, always point out in the corner where it says told and sung by Burt Reynolds. And I'd always say told and sung yeah. by Burt Reynolds. Like, I'm so excited. So, and that was like a selling point. Like, every time I thought of, you know, every time he brought it up, I immediately thought, oh yeah, that's the one with the Burt Reynolds thing on it. So, as you can imagine, 
if you have the reaction from that thinking, oh, this must be a musical, and it festers throughout a whole year, yeah. a whole year where the the mayor becomes man of the month every month, yeah, um, it's fair to assume that it's a musical, and when you eventually, Realize. after many, many months and a couple of seasons, find out it's not a musical, it hits extra hard, because you <laughs> had a misconception for a very long time. I did. It's well, shocking. What were you expecting when when I said, "Hey, we're going to be watching The Legend of Frosty the Snowman"? I handed you the DVD. What was your expectations about The Legend of Frosty the Snowman, told and sung by Burt Reynolds? Well, I think I think everyone expected it to be a musical. I expected songs the whole way out, and I feel we've already covered that. And there were points throughout the film where music would play, and Ryan's like, "Oh, it's a pop song," but no, it's really yeah, yeah, I thought there was so many times it. where it's like music swell, and a character would like. Stared in the pose where it's like, oh, a musical number, and then nothing. What were you expecting, though? Legend of Frosty the Snowman. What were you expecting? Honestly, it was better animated than I thought it would be. Yeah. I wouldn't exactly say it was the best animated, best animation I've ever seen. They had, but, little, they um, had little legs. Was um better than I was expecting. <laughs> what about you, Bartek? Um, You've had months of build-up for this as well. I did, yes. Um, so I was expecting it to be kind of cookie-cutter child film. Like, oh, yeah, put it on for the kids and they'll mm. watch it because, you know, kids, uh, they ingest media a bit more... Uh, not empty-mindedly, but, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. They, yeah. they, they just watch things to pass the time. Um, like Minecraft videos. Yes, but I think that this film, you know, it actually had some clever writing to it. Like, the whole satirization of the 1950s going on. The the humour in the film was good. Like like I said, with the dad, his cheesiness. The I remember when the, the quiz show happened, it's like the Tinkerton Family Quiz Hour yeah. dinner. Ryan, I remember you laughed at that. It's because it's the only cartoony moment in the film. Like, there's a magical snowman, like, and you ask... was really high there. Like, they had the lights, they had the sign. There's a bit... He was putting on a showman voice. There's a bit in that. Sorry to interrupt, but there is a bit in that where... Okay, so you have a magical snowman. He does cartoony things, like he can take his head off and all that. But that makes sense. It's a cartoon, yeah? There's no other major cartoony moment outside this dinner scene where there's a moment where the mum says... Winner, winner, winner. And then the dad tears through the mum and it's like a poster or like a an like a oh, right. image yeah, of the mum. There was mom. like eight like yeah. eight panels of her. Of her movie. saying winner, winner, winner. Yeah, and, because she said it once he, for every correct answer the, yeah, the and, and then he tears through her and then it zooms out and there's no panel where he tore through from. That's the only cartoony moment in the film that's pretty mm. realistic. Like, yeah, sure. There's cartoony things like the dad checks his watch and yells at the sun to come up and stuff like that but like other than that there's no really outlandish cartoon moments that doesn't make sense so not only yeah good satirization and good humor like there were many gags throughout the film that we laughed at like yeah genuinely the gag i think that i laughed the hardest that was there was a scene where they were talking about building snowmen mm. and frosty's like oh i'll build you a snowman that doesn't look as bad as your <laughs> one charlie and yeah because charlie and, yours sucks and so Leans over to make a snowman. Then it cuts to the kid's reaction. It's like, oh, he's building something. Then it cuts back. Middle of the frame, there's this snowman 
like standing like confidently, and then there's Frosty leaning on it. Well, no, no, no. It, sorry, they're, they're identical. Both frosty. They're both yeah, Frosty. Yeah. So they've both got the hat and everything. Yeah, so it's another Frosty with the purple hat, confident, and there's Frosty leaning on it. Now, you assume that the real Frosty <laughs> is the one leaning, but it turns out that the one leaning is the snowman he made. I call it me. So, and look, listening people, just to be clear, you know, Unappreciated Masterpieces, we do great films that... You all know, the time. All the time. For this show, we're not necessarily going to be always watching great films. But no. the first film that we've talked about here, I actually really liked it. I liked it too. Um, you know, I, I, I loved this film, actually. I had this for months, you know, since the start of the year. And I looked at it and went, ooh, this is going to be bad. I had this DVD for several months and I had very low expectations of it. I was wanting to watch it for the funny value because there's something inherently amusing to me about Burt Reynolds telling us and singing us the story of this frosty snowman. I'm disappointed that it didn't have the singing part from Burt, but he did do good voice work. They drew his character like a old Burt Reynolds with a mustache and everything. I loved this film. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very smart and satirical. It had some really zany jokes and statements in there that threw me for a loop. I think at one point Will and I got fixated on one specific line of dialogue to to the point in which I didn't understand what it meant and Will declared that that was the strangest line in the film in which the kids are going to break into the school to save Frosty the Snowman's hat that's in a glass cage in the school because the principal's taking the hat because Walt is a sellout. The principal's standing there now as mayor of the town. He has a clipboard and everything. Oh, he, he was mayor he's, principal. Yeah, he's he's mayor, mayor principal. principal. <laughs> he was very insistent on that. And he says to a security guard... Before the clipboard, forget about it. I needed 10 hours, but now I get by on next to nothing. What does that mean? And I, I, I interpret it as the clipboard makes it easier for you to function without as much sleep. And me, I thought, oh, he's talking about work now. Like, oh, I had to work like 10 hours a day. Now I get to like work more hours. Oh my but God. But he was kind of happy about it, wasn't he? Yeah, no, he was happy because he finally got what he wanted. And and, and it was just such a weird big thing because it just cuts to like these two adults having an adult conversation about yeah. something or other and then it cuts back. So that was a great moment of the film. I say check this film out. It's really worth it. You know, I think it's a fun time. I had a very good time watching it with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Overall, if I had to put... <laughs> A quote on the box, I would say... Call me. Ooh, I'd, I'd love to see call me on the box as well, but I'd probably say more like... There yeah. are less constructive things you could do with your time. There are less constructive things. Could I propose a question? Yeah. Would you go as far... You guys like the film. I'm would a... you go as far to say it's an unappreciated masterpiece? Um... If that's not, you know if that's not crossing Pro... over too much. Yes, because yeah, that yeah. brings up something very important. How high of a rating do you think this has on IMDb? Well, clearly based on your reaction there, it's less than a 7, because that's kind of where we look at for unappreciated masterpieces. Um, I'm... I'm not going to go too low. Hmm? I'm going to guess... 5.4? Okay. Will, if you have to make an educated guess on how highly rated out of 10 on IMDb The Legend of Frosty Snowman is, what would you say? Oh, uh, six. It is a 4.3. Oh, dear. 
Very low. I would say yes, it's an unappreciated masterpiece due to the fact it's got a low rating, and I had a high, I, like my level of fun was high watching it. So I'd say it is an unappreciated masterpiece. Sometimes we do get those in the mystery box, I guess. Well, that's why we'll, we'll it's find the out. Mystery box, because you don't know what you're gonna get. Let's close out the discussion on this film with this hypothetical. There is a person trying to hurt us. The three yeah. of us. He's yeah. gonna. They're gonna kill us, Ryan. They're gonna kill us. Yes, and there were only three people. It takes four people to defeat this person. Yeah. We need a fourth person. We have to choose a character from the legend of Frosty the Snowman, sung and sorry, told and sung by Burt Reynolds. Okay. Which character do we pick to help us live? To help us take him down, we need a fourth person. <sighs> Who can we rely on from this film? I think we could rely on Charlie. He had straight ethics. Yeah. And brute force. The older brother. I trust Charlie. You reckon Will? Charlie would do well? Charlie! I I trust him with my life. He asked the important question. What is this? I think that that is a wrap on Frosty the Snowman. I guess it's time to go home, guys, because we're done, right? No, Bartek. What? Because we watched another film. We did? We watched two Christmas movies, and we watched another film called... A Wobot's Christmas. A... Wait, Ryan, don't you mean a robot's Christmas? Yes, but it's spelled with a W, so it's a Wobot's Christmas. Oh, so no then. (laughs) (laughs) I was was confused when you said yes, because it is a Wobot's Christmas. (laughs) I got you with that. (laughs) You're a a T-roll. You're a twole. I am a twole. We have a Wobot's Christmas. Another piece of backstory is I've had this for a year now. My former housemate picked this up from an op shop. I have seen this film before. I watched it this time last year. This is the film that started the idea for this show. Yeah, I just thought of that. My housemate picked this up from an op shop. He said, this looks like a crazy film, a Wobot's Christmas. It's a poorly animated looking film. It's a 3D type of animation that we sort of compared to Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, it's, it's like a real bad Jimmy Neutron Yeah, style. it's not as good as Jimmy Neutron. Nothing is. Um, it's almost as good as the TV show version of Jimmy Neutron. That's where it's at. And it was a mystery. We all, my household watched it together. It blew us away. And I said, we've got to cover this on the podcast of some sort. It had made me spark off the idea for the mystery box. Now, this is technically not a mystery to me. The idea of it is a mystery. It's a mystery to... It was a mystery to Bartek and Will? Yeah, this is going to be probably the... Ideally, this is the only movie we'll do on the show where someone has seen it prior. Bartek? Yes. You get the pleasure of... Trying to describe the plot of a Wobot's Christmas. Good luck. Okay, so this... Earlier in this episode when we said we were doing films, I I said something along the lines of, you know, films in quote. Yeah. We're not entirely sure if this is a film. And that's not a joke of like, I don't think this is a film. I think this is a travesty or something We like legitimately that. don't know what this is. It's, it's 40 minutes long. It comes across... Like a a special of some sort. Like it starts off it, with what seems to be an episode title. Well, no, hold on. Yeah. It just starts. <laughs> that, oh, that is true. That is true. Okay, so now remember, film, this, this is film, a poorly animated film. Yeah, this film started with some trailers of some films. Eventually, after a trailer, it cuts to like this 
red lights blinking, like, eh, 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 like generic yeah. sound effect that you might have heard in some things before, like an alarm happening. And I asked Ryan, Ryan, is this another trailer? Is this the start of the film? <laughs> no, I said bravely. Yeah. This is the film. This is the start of the film. And the and, alarm and it, keeps ringing out, a space door opens, and we get to meet the first robot, who you think's going to yeah. be important to the story, isn't. And it just starts. Go on. As you were yeah. saying, so, so it just ba- starts. And basically, we get what seems to be a opening credit sequence. It, sh- it like f- uh, shows us all the characters in the film and their name. And then eventually, you know, cuts to black. And then it cuts to the establishing shot. And there's like in quotes a title there. It's like almost like it's an episode title. Yeah. Um. What was it? The the lights. It was like Something follow like the light. Yeah. Follow the light. Um, like, it's episode, follow the light. Yeah, like, if you were to look this up on IMDb, it would be like, oh, Wobot's Christmas, episode, you know, 25. Based on that alone, it almost feels like this is a special episode of a TV series, but... It isn't. I, though, we don't is it? think it is. Because we get introduced to all of these characters, so it's like a pilot of something because yeah. or, these characters or all just meet each other or it's this establishing is... like hey this is the cast of the show but you meet most of these characters oh, they, they meet for the first time in this episode yeah that's what I mean like this isn't like midway through a series this yeah. isn't like it's not like this is their Christmas special this is a pilot yeah. of something maybe yeah maybe like the title of like we have the we have a DVD of this in front. I'm of us. proud to own the and DVD. it doesn't say a robot's Christmas follow the light. It just says a robot's Christmas. One brave boy and his robot friends discover the magic of the season. So it starts off with meeting the main character working in a factory. Orphans just don't work like they used to, and you know why? We're just kids. Don't sass me, boy. It's because you're always crying about something. Give us pillows for the beds. Feed us three times a day. Give us shoes. Give me, give me, give me. He's one of the many orphans working in this factory to build... Oh, they build, oh, they were building toys. toys, I think. They were building yeah. toys. And they have this, like, generic... Well, not generic. They have this fat manager guy who... Who has green hair. Who has green The hair. minimal amount of hair he has is bright green. He's balding. Yeah, he wears tartan. Our main character, Zach, is working in a factory as one of many orphans that wear these little red jumpsuits. They have a, bo- the, a boss who, I guess, runs the orphanage factory and comes across as being a abusive dick in a way, but he doesn't really abuse them. He's just obsessed. Is he obsessed with money? He's very obsessed with money. That was literally the word does, I was going to say. Does he here. love money? He does love money. There's a part later... Does he matter about how wealthy people are? You just keep saying things that I'm about to say, Ryan. There's a part where he describes a person with a bunch of adjectives, and every second adjective is probably wealthy. This afternoon, I got a call from a wealthy, kind, and wealthy gentleman who is giving toys to all the orphans this year, and he's coming tonight. You will all get a toy when Mr. Demoto arrives. And he's wealthy, so be on your best behavior. And unlike The Legend of Frosty the Snowman, this one actually is a musical that has musical sequences interspersed throughout it. What's the first song? The first song? The first song, I don't remember the title, but the chorus kept saying that they are working overtime. Here, we're working over there, working on the ground, we're working in the air. 
we learn from another robot that he he in fact has no human friends. Yeah. The only human friend he has is a scary looking girl. Scary because her eyes are always wide open. And her hair hovers above her head. Yeah, she doesn't have strands of hair. It's just it's like, like a, 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 a blob. He builds robots from scraps and they're apparently his friends. Yeah. Um, Including one that made toast. So he's called into his boss's office and his boss has this machine that he bought that's defective. Um, and it's a robot that apparently does, you know, general chores, but this robot's defective because he gets things backwards. You give him two instructions and he'll, he'll mix them up. You know, paint the cabinet, water the plants. He he'll, paints the plants and waters the cabinet. That which has of one of my favourite lines in the <laughs> whole entire movie, which what? is, yeah. the plant is painted pink and the boss is yelling at him like, hey, what he did? And the kid just says bloodly. <laughs> you got to paint the cabinet pink? <laughs> like, it's just some out of yeah. nowhere. It's a good point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this really... Masculine man is gonna paint his cab filing cabinet pink. So he tasks him with taking PD, who's a very tiny robot. He kind of reminds me of the binoculars from From Toy, Toy Story. Story, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's exactly the binoculars from Toy Story. He's a bit taller, his legs are a bit longer, and he's got like clampy. Wait, are you saying he's taller than binoculars from Toy Story? No yeah. way! The thing was like a literally binoculars <laughs> I'm <being> with sarcastic. <laughs> I'm being serious. He's taller than the toy binoculars from Toy Story. Of Ryan, course you're here he making is. Bartek's trying to seriously discuss the scale of shithouse Wally. Listen, Ryan, when I talk about people loving their clipboards, you just shut up and listen. Sorry, 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 guys. Bartek's covering the cinematic masterpiece. Potentially cinematic. Oh, wait, what's Christmas? Here's a defective robot. Go to the mall. Return it. That's your job. That's what his one job is. Yep. And what does he proceed to do, Bartek? Well, he takes him on his flying scooter and they ride to the mall and they realize that, you know, they have similarities to them. Even though one's a ro robot and one's a human. Zach's problem is that he can't pronounce the letter R very well. He lisps, yeah. He lisps, he a, yeah. He's, he's missing, like, his front two teeth. Oh, is that it? I don't oh, look, oh, I thought he just... I'm not saying that that's related. I'm just saying that that's what he looks like. Uh, oh, oh, yeah? I'll go with you on that. I just thought he had buck teeth. What does broken mean? You don't work the way people think you should. Like me, I can't say my always. On the way to taking him to the mall, they run into what seems to be a robber of some sort and his robot stealing things. Uh, and when they get to the mall and he proceeds to return uh, PD, he finds out that returned defective products are, are randomly chosen to either be burnt, trashed, or melted. No. Yeah, they're... they're, they're, they're... They're res um they're, they're recycled, recycled, recycled trashed, or, or burnt. Was it recycled? Who cares? <laughs> it's a fucking robot's Christmas. His, his... It's a fucking robot's Christmas. The fact that you asked is that is that right? Like, fucking... Look, we're trying to discuss the three fucking things they did in the effective program. The scale of characters. And, and to be and to completely to be completely fair, we're forgetting the one thing that was never on the table because he was chosen to be melted, but they managed to push it to trashed. So when they get to the mall, just before they hand PD over, they meet another defective robot who's this uh, very shiny fella. Talks a bit like a... 
I thought talks, he's... talks of you, you described it as Phil Hartman. Yeah, he sounded like a Troy McClure type. Yeah. He honestly reminded me more of the mayor from Frosty, but yeah. yeah. Look, I'm not saying Tom Kenny was in both of these movies. <laughs> but clearly he needs money. SpongeBob does not earn him enough. Yeah, Spiron either. <laughs> so yeah, he, they meet this shiny robot who's kind of falling apart and can't do any of the pr- functions he promises. He's like meant to be He's a butler robot. He's meant to be a butler robot. Except for he is muscular. He looks like a mix between C3PO, which is appropriate. Oh, yeah, but he also looks like he looks like the 1950s versions of robots in sci-fi films, like those silver robots. He looks like yeah, like he'd be Not from clunky, a time but like like he looked like he'd be from a time where they call them automatons or something. On the way to the mall, uh, PD and Zach they bond. They're like, oh, you know, we're the same. Through song. Through song, yeah. It was the second song of the film. Very quickly in. I'm like, you know, I'm like Frosty, where we didn't get many songs. We should stop talking about Frosty. I say we, but it was me. It's literally you. Will and I are silent on the frosty front. (laughs) They're not stingy with the songs. (laughs) They have like five or six songs. I think we're all very thankful. Boy, you really got that white. Because we're just misfits. Rejected brothers, misfits. Shiny Man 5000 comes in. Like a doof, he pushes them, but they use one of his fallen off limbs to change the track to make them fall down the trash mm. instead of the incinerator one. Very smart. He and grabs that limb too. He's a very smart robot. Yep. And when he when they fall down into there, they meet a bunch of other trashed robots. Yeah. Who seem to be more familiar with each other. It's like they've been in there a very long time. Yeah, and the the, the first few lines you hear from them, because they, they're playing like a little joke, like, oh, you're here. Right. It comes across like they're in a prison. So we meet the cast of crew. We have, at this point, we've met Petey. We've met Shiny Man 5000. But in the trash, in the trash, where they belong, yeah. we meet our great character, Lifter, who's like a, a big robot that's obviously used for construction. He's yellow and black. He looks a bit like Homer. He does look like Homer, but he also looks like um, something that you'd find in Ratchet and Clank as a villain. Yeah. yeah. Um, they meet the flying little robot that we met at the start of the film. In the opening credits, yeah. Beeper. Was it Pip or something? Oh, Pip, sorry. Pip. We meet sassy black female robot who's... Problem is, she has too many things on her mind yeah, she's because a she's a woman. <laughs> she's a multitasking robot, but she gets yeah off. And then lot. we meet Jerry Seinfeld robot, or as yeah. I called him affectionately, Jewbot. Yeah. Because his he, name is one 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 one, but his friends call him eleven eleven, 11 which they never refer to again. Yeah. Uh, his problem is he's got a skinny body but a big head. But other than that, he's fine. Yeah. If he had a better body, he'd be pretty great. They voice him like a stereotypical like Jewishy kind of guy. That's funny. <laughs> hey, Kay, we're talking trash. That's talking trash. <laughs> it's a pun, a play in the vernacular, a double entendre. They voice the, like, sassy black chick as sassy, not sassy, seductive black chick, where she's like, oh, honey. I forgot where we're going, if we're going anywhere. Just say where, and I'm there, if I knew where there was. What am I talking about? Lifter, who's voiced like a, a hillbilly Jack Nicholson, Construction is a dangerous business. They put me to work digging a basement, and all I have to say is that dark plus wet equals mice. You have Shiny Man 5000, who's a Phil Hartman type. I'm the Shiny Man 5000. What's your story? 
Fantastic. PD has an original voice. They didn't sound like anyone else. They sound he like he wasn't a stereotype. He wasn't yeah. a, a type. Yeah, like uh, he could be like a cutesy robot type, but not really. He just sounded like this. Hi, I'm Petey. I get things backwards. Hi, Hi Petey. Pip just pipped. What happens then? They fly up in a garbage truck, Bartek. Well, uh, PD says, well, I guess we're going to fly up, but the truck flies down because you see, he was wrong. He's a fucking idiot. And we go to Hello- uh, we go to Scrap Town, which is down on the surface of... What is Earth? A planet of some sort. A dis- I... dystopian future Earth where it's just uh, uh, carbon, Earth, garbage, carbon garbage. garbage. trash. Made into a town called Scrap Town. And that's where we get a song which reminded some of us of the... Opening song to the Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. This is Scrap Town, Scrap Town, all filled up with broken down pieces of forgotten parts. Oh! Basically, after a song which comes across as a very Jewish This is Halloween rendition, <laughs> um, we meet the leader of Scrap Town, and it's the robber that we that they encountered on the way to the mall. Who's a cyborg. Yeah, he's a cyborg. The only cyborg. He was a man who modified himself and that made him go crazy or something? Uh, no, yeah. So, they explain his backstory, which is he worked at the robots factory, but then he started modifying himself and that was too outlandish for them, so they banished him. I guess in this universe, cybernetic enhancements is a no-no, mm. but robots are fine. He basically had a whole speech about how, you know, his motivation is he wants to steal stuff, he wants to give, like, defective toys to some kids to cause mayhem or something like well, that. Well... No, originally it was he just wants to lead his army up to rule them, mm. and then he discovers this kid's not a robot; he's an orphan. Oh yes, I'll I'll enhance the orphans as cyborgs and make them my army. Yeah, basically he he meets the new blood of the. Family. He had no plan. That's what it was. Yeah. Well, he he wanted to do something, uh, and he wanted to have a big robot army. And he meets Zack and he's like, oh, you're an orphan. Orphans! Let's do something with orphans. That's basically his thought process there. Let's let's have all the Scrap Town thugs to disguise themselves as toys, which are dangerous, and then give them to the orphans and cause a bit of mayhem, and then question mark, question mark, question mark, then profit. Yeah, he has no motivations. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the film. They run away. Yeah, they Our run away. Our heroes run away. They don't become a part of the evil army. They, they run into the desert... They ponder their life a moment. They see a star because the Jack Nicholson robot's Christian because he's like, you gotta believe. You gotta believe. Look Wait, at that star. Let's hold follow on a that second. star. Hold on a second, Ryan. What was the qu- question mark episode question marks title? Follow the star, which is light. also at the... M- oh, follow... No, star. Wasn't it follow the light? No, star. I thought it was follow the star. It's a star. So the 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 question mark episode question it's marks like title the is wise follow men. the light. Oh, did you say like the wise men, Ryan? Yeah, I did. And the Jack Nicholson robots like a Christian? Yeah, that's right. right. It's also a Christmas movie. Did we mention that? There oh, comes yeah. a point where you kind of forget that it's a Christian movie, like Christmas, Christmas yeah. and Christian. Because well, it's like it gets in this subplot about like this bad guy wants to capture orphans and rule the city and the sky, and you're like, oh yeah, and then they go to the desert. They follow yeah. the star, which is actually just a blinking light on a guy's service station. Uh, they all are cowards. They're like, there's someone in there, and the kid's just like, I'll knock! And they're like, no! Don't do that! He doesn't, he doesn't even... He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He just goes up to the The door opens. opens up, and we meet probably the best character in all of cinema. 
Commodore, who's the oldest robot, it seems. The name is Commodore. Outdated, obsolete, no parts available. But I keep myself in shape. Huh? Dad blasted! He's exiled himself, it seems. Very similar to Kane. I don't want to give that Christian allegory in there, but... Citizen Kane. Yeah, it's a Citizen Kane-like character. And And basically, (laughs) he has a bunch of... Orbs, which I guess are sort of like recording. He said they're 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 they're, they're snow holograms. Yeah, they 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 have a bunch of like snow globe effects that are like holographic, and it looks kind of it looks kind of sorry, it looks amazingly cool. Yeah, oh yeah, like um, all of the animation, yeah. it's top notch. They bring up Christmas again, which you know hasn't been brought up since like the opening scene. And you know Zach talks about how yeah he's not really into Christmas, and the guy basically gives him this whole spiel about oh you just don't get what it's about. You know that Jesus guy? Yeah, who? We, yeah, Jesus Christ. He was born in a barn, they said. The fucking best part of the movie is Commodore stops everything to explain the story of Jesus. His birth, to be no, no, no. Yeah, the birth, and also the fact that he went on to do great things. Yeah, vague, They didn't mention things. the death. He doesn't exactly yeah. say why. He, says he basically says this guy was born, then he does great The movie things. stops to remind you that this is Christmas movie, but also to remind you that Christianity is the way to go. Yeah. It's this one segment in which Commodore just stops everything and goes, Let me tell you about the baby Jesus and why he's great, do, and do you name, should have his values. Do they name drop Jesus? Yes. They did? Yes. They name-dropped Jesus. They name-dropped Jesus. Not Mary and Joseph. They were there. Nah, but... they didn't even mention the wise men. Yeah, or the animals. No. Aminals. Well, animals don't exist in this universe, I guess. We don't see any. Oh, yeah, good point. The, the whole nativity scene, that, that's way too expensive <laughs> so, for the CGI. So, he explains the story of Jesus. They all learn, like, oh my god, yeah, Jesus. Including the kid. Then they sing a song about... Jesus and spirituality and Christmas and believing in yourself. And then they have the guts to team together using all of their defective natures to unify them into one thing, fly off into the city and stop the bad guy because Jesus. And the best part of this is the animation is subpar at best. It is terrible. Everyone kind of hovers on the ground and slides, and if they don't slide, they clunkily move step by step. There was a part where I thought that Zach in was the, floating. Yeah, in the desert singing scene, you're like, is he floating right now? Because he believes in Jesus? And I'm like, <laughs> no, but I wish that was the case. It's just that he's hovering instead of walking. There's... The animation so far, when they show humans, which they don't show very much, they're grotesque-looking things. Yeah, we basically have Zack, the other orphans, and the And boss, Zack's the best-looking one. And the person. Zack's the best-looking one. And then we get to see the animation of baby Jesus, who looks, for all intensive purposes, what like a right? blonde potato with eyes, just googly eyes, stuck on. And it's great. It's the best part of the film. The film just stops. Just stops dead in his tracks to be like, let me tell you about the baby Jesus. He taught people. He showed them lots of love and did some pretty amazing things. What do you mean? He came so that no one would ever feel alone or feel like a misfit. He was put on this earth in the simplest way to do the greatest thing. Give us hope. And then it stops that, it has a song, and then they fly off, 
and they defeat the bad guy really easily by just using their special abilities, yeah, you know? They, they snuck into the factory, they... Broke took, in... They took out some of the robots that tried to attack them. Yeah, you know, they use their special abilities, you know? Jubot, he's skinny, so you can put him through a keyhole, and he can press the door to open, you know? You have Black Sassybot, she has six hands, so she just slaps people! Mm. And then you have Lifter, what does he do? He lifts! And then you have... Oh, shiny man. They smash open a window. Just one panel of a window. And they just throw him bit by bit into the room. And he somehow constructs himself to open the door of a sassy black robot chick to enter in. And she says, Mom, I gotta be the one to be teamed up with the idiot. And shiny man's just such a nice guy. Is like, I'm just having fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking pathetic. And they just go off and defeat the bad guy. They just, they just. Yeah, they basically defeat him, and then he tries to escape because the ceiling has been opened. So he has like a yeah. little heli pack. Yeah, the bad guys come in to buy the orphans. It's very important that he's wealthy for the orphanage owner guy, and he just tries to fly away. Like, like he sends his goons after them. They dispatch the goons because Lifter lifts the kid with a giant magnet truck. <sighs> Sorry, I just had to sigh that one there. But the Brian, he's getting away, and PD hasn't done anything yet. And PD proceeds to say, "Oh no, someone has to close the the ceiling, the roof, the, uh, the roof, or something. The roof, the roof, um, switch." And we learn that the switch for the roof to close is actually on the roof, yeah, the, ceiling the ceiling of the yeah. room. So they just throw PD. At it, which at that point I have to say, why did they? Why didn't they just use um? The Pip. Mag- he flies. Oh yeah, what did Pip do? He did nothing. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Pip. Pip could have just flown and smacked it, but they're like, no, we got to give PD the heroic moment by throwing him. And the bad guy's blades that he's riding off on the helicopter blades get stuck and he just spins and then gracefully, and what I mean gracefully, he means, what I mean by this is, if you had, you know when you're on Photoshop and you you crop around an image, you use like the magic wand and you can drag the image, it's like if you drag the image... Oh, it's like when you have, like, the cu- your cursor. Yeah, uh, your, your cursor, trail. and you're dragging, trailing the image from side to side to be like, look, it's moving! Yeah, you can do that That's with what the bad guy is like when he's he flying around the, room. around the room straight into the trash. Or, like, on Windows XP when you beat Solitaire and the cards bounce everywhere. And then the Jewbot is a Christmas tree, and he says, Merry Christmas! And they all have a little sing-song, and then it cuts to, like, I don't know, sometime later... And the film's still going. The film still goes. Doesn't it, Will? This is true. The film still goes. It's it's a long 40 minutes, and we're still going. Actually, the box said 51 minutes. Oh, my so God. This is a longer long. film oh, than change, we initially... The 10 minutes everything. of credits. Zach is talking to his to his good friend, who I can't remember what her name is, but she looks terrifying. <laughs> yeah, she, she appeared looks like earlier in the film. She appears she's like back. She's and back. And she's like... He, he, Zach likes Christmas now. He's our, he knows the, the true meaning of the season. Which is baby Jesus. And he knows the truth about the potato. He loves Christmas now. <laughs> and he reveals... 
And now it's revealed that all the robots are now working at the orphanage factory slave sort of place. PD has got his job back because he got a handshake from the mayor. The mayor the shook his hand shook and, his said, clamp. and clamp and said, you have your job back. We didn't see that. We just got told that. <laughs> it happened off screen. That's okay. We know the important thing. And he's still getting everything backwards because that's, that's just told, who he yeah. is. We learn that he has not changed. The guy now has to just suffer that. If I was the guy, I would on purposely give orders in reverse. So that way he would do them right. Or give single orders, maybe. Yeah, but he seems to fuck those up, too. Oh, yeah, there were opposite stuff going on. Like, oh, it's going to go up, but it went down. Yeah, so if I said, water the cabinet, paint the plant, he would do the opposite. See? Smart, but he yeah. doesn't do that. He's a fucking idiot. It's not going to be like a Looney Tunes logic. So like, go on. Okay, I'll do that then. And so- now all the robots are working at the orphanage factory. Thing. And what are they doing? Well, they're working in the kitchen and this things. This is the, where are they um, now? Shiny Man 5000 is on fire and completely fucking it up. And then 9 Which makes no sense oh, for him. Oh, sorry. I mean, 11-11 comes in and puts it out. Yeah, that's his job. His job the, is to um, put it out. The sassy black lady um, robot is um, cutting everything up. She's and flipping burgers, hands. but she's doing them all poorly because she's also reading. She's a multitasker, but she's not but good at it. what about Lifter? Lifting... Lifter is... Lifting things. No, he isn't. Bridges and No, he isn't. I thought he was. He was opening. This is legitimately true. Lifter's job is to grab milk from the fridge. He breaks open the door. He's lifting the door. And then the milk falls everywhere. And he goes, oh no. And then Jupot comes in and grabs a milk and walks away. I guess Jupot's job is just to do their jobs. But correctly? He's he's the brains of the operation. He is. He is. That's their lives. That's it. And then, what happens at the end credits, Hey, buddy? stop. You have to say what all of them were doing. Oh, wasn't that all of them? Well, <laughs> Pip, Pip's doing fucking nothing because he's a fucking lazy piece of shit. No, no, you're wrong. Pip flies to the camera at the end and the credits come on. That's his job. Oh, yeah, he can rock up for the opening and he can rock up for the credits, but he can't help in the final fucking battle. No. The fucking All the epilogue will get it right. Sucks. All right, now we're up to the credits. <laughs> and the names are scrolling up, and then who should come forward? Get Shiny Man 5000 talking to us. What? Wait, Shiny Man 5000's there? Yes, he's in the credits talking <laughs> to us. His mouth isn't moving. Is he talking us to us, or is he singing to us? He's singing, he's sort of... He's doing a bit of both. Between them. He's got his internal microphone out, he's speaking into it, as he spe- and he's speaking to us. And he's also making jokes about the people who worked on the film. And then the credits say there was a joke squad, which was one of the things I oh, yeah. that fascinated me the most. And it had a lot what of fucking that? people. It had like 20 people. 20 people in the joke squad. I'd rather that than suicide squad. Here we have a Wobot Christmas joke squad. There's so much to discuss about this film. Ryan, this was your second viewing. This was my second viewing. So we have Sassy Black Lady Robot. We have Jack Nicholson Bot. We have we have Chewbot. We we have we have not binoculars from Toy Story, and we have Troy McClure Bot. You forgot Pip and Bip. Guys, <laughs> guys, don't forget Pip. Sorry, and we have Blip Blop, and then we have Zachariah. Get it? Another biblical reference. There you go. Oh. What did he do in the Bible? Well, he learned about the baby Jesus, you see, and then learned a lesson. If I could describe this movie, and I will, because I'm forcing my way through this, this movie 
I dare to call it a film. <laughs> it is subpar animation made by the West. Barta kept saying throughout that this must be South Korean because of the styling and the certain things, but the lip syncing matched up pretty well. With English. Speaking, and yeah. every name in the credits, including actors, director, writers, all Western names. Yeah. I have no idea about this film. At all, where it's from. The company, what was it, like, Porchlight Entertainment? Porchlight, not Torchlight. Porchlight Entertainment. Great. And, and Blue Yonder. And Blue Yonder. Here's the thing, here's the thing. Let's break this down, let's break this down. This is a film that's obviously a pilot for these cute characters to send a Christian message. It fails at that very easily. It is a movie that has songs in it that are real songs repurposed for the film so scrap town is this welcome to scrap town is this is halloween we have the worker bee song which is another brick in the wall to the point in which the 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 boss of the orphanage factory says if you don't work any harder you won't get your pudding which is a line from another brick in the wall it steals songs it has these cookie cutter characters that are great i loved them they were great. I love the characters. Did you really say that they stole songs? They are directly the songs that's repurposed. I mean, they were. The music was different, and the lyrics were different. I mean, it's not like they. The music. They was... didn't like ad lib the versions of these existing songs. No, but they're stealing songs. They were very they're... clearly inspired by them. They're stealing the songs, Bartek. It's the welcome. To... Oh my God, they're stealing the songs. Welcome to Scrap Town. Is this is Halloween? It's a, it's a homage. Um... With some Jewish violin. Right. So, a robot's Christmas. Right. Here's a thing. It was made in 2003, I believe. It has no IMDb page, which is always a good sign. I looked it up before. Um, the actors and director. None of the actors exist <laughs> that I can find. I looked them up and none of them exist. The director is apparently the only other person I can find with credentials in animation that directs things or works for things in animation that has the same name as this director is apparently some big wig Hollywood guy that works on things like, like animation assistant on things like Narnia and things like Rise of the Guardians and all this kind of like all these proper animation films. Mm-hmm. I highly doubt that this guy <laughs> is the same guy. I, I fucking doubt it. A Wobot's Christmas is a, is a scam someone made. I don't know who. I love who's, him. Who's the victim to the scam, Ryan? <laughs> the children. The poor children who were expecting a film. People who went to the Salvation Army and bought it. I am the victim. Well, it was, it was your housemate that bought it. I am the victim here. Because he gave it to you. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know where to go with the Robots Christmas. There's so much craziness in this film. Like, they stopped to talk about Jesus, who's a fucking potato. It's, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by this, this film. There was a point in the film in which I looked over to both Will and Bartek, and this is my second time viewing it, and I just had this exasperated look on my face, like, this is happening. This is this is a real movie. This is a real film. I, uh, uh. Bartek, Ryan, whatever your names are, I've just, I've got to be frank, I'm, I'm literally looking at the box so, right now. Hold on, just to summarise, just to summarise, I'm Bartek, He's Wyan, and you're Fwank. I'm shocked that it exists. This is the biggest reaction I've, I've seen from Will in my whole life. <laughs> and we've been 
with Will for a very long time. I've known I Will can, since 2012. I can see why this was the, the film that the, the film that caused you to create the mystery box because I've seen it and I'm still completely mystified. I went into this completely blind. I didn't even say it was a musical to Will. It just happened, and he was like, oh boy. To be fair, I didn't know either, but I accepted it. (laughs) You know why? You have to. (laughs) You just have to accept things in this film. Maybe it's just a Christmas thing, I don't know. Uh, my, the first time I thought I was into something really fucking strange is that you look, see, Frosty, the legend of Frosty the Snowman is G, general, whereas Oh, oh that's Box right! Christmas is PG for mature themes. And it, and it showed up in the film itself. Yeah, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. Just, just to warn everyone, it doesn't say what those mature themes I are. I still don't know what they are. I think it's orphan stealing is the mature theme. Um, is Jesus a mature theme? I it doesn't have know. crucified baby potato, maybe, but maybe I would have loved to have seen that image. Maybe the director, or maybe the, sorry, no. Director, is, you mean scam artist. No, actually, I'm not talking about them at all. Um, the And you know what, saying this out loud is also a thing. That's a PG rating. Yeah, That's an yes. Australian classification board thing. Someone from the government had to watch that and yeah. give it that rating. So someone yeah. watched it and decided that, that they saw mature themes in it. Maybe that, so that's, that rating there, that uh, classification, is from a government person's interpretation, and I suppose they interpreted something. Maybe it was an analogy of like, oh, they're defective, maybe compare that to people with disabilities or something like that. Maybe that's what they're going for, like... I guess the term that gets thrown around these days is ableism? I don't know. Yeah, it's an ableist film, all right. Maybe. <laughs> Perhaps the fact that the main character... I mean, the main characters... Oh, no, sorry. The orphan... In the song in the orphanage, they say they're not getting paid. No, they're slaves. So, yeah, is the slavery the mature theme? Uh, I think it's turning children into cyborgs as a threat is one. Will, you went in not knowing anything. Have you come out knowing something? Um, <laughs> That's a good question. You know... Have you learned? You know, you know sometimes more or less. you like wake up at like four in the morning where you have to be falling out of bed, yeah. and you don't really grasp what's going on. But yeah. eventually, you hit the floor and you realize what's happened. Oh, I've, I've fallen out of bed. <laughs> I feel like that, except I never got an explanation of what happened. You never hit the floor. Yeah, I feel you never like hit the floor. It's when you wake up in a completely dark room. And fall out of bed, and you just kept falling. And you see, like, a clown licking a, a saxophone, and then he just walks away, you never get an explanation. No, a, that would make more sense. I've got a very important question for both of you. Did he remain an orphan at the end of this? <laughs> Is he still an orphan at the end of the movie? Well, he's still working, man. I love the fact that this Christian Christmas movie about if you believe, you get everything you want in the world. He's still a fucking slave at the end of this film. I just love that. To be like, fair. Does he get a family? No, his family is the robots. But what happens to the robots? They work under the fucking dictatorship of this orphanage factory. To be fair, it did seem that the community seemed to be a bit more lighthearted at the end. They got along. Yeah, but I love like still as an orphan, like like in another. Well, it's only a pilot, maybe. Yeah, in in, in a, in a robot's Christmas Thanksgiving, he meets his real family, 
And his real that, family. Right, you have to get the pilot out of the way. That's where they learn about Jesus and learn their values, and then the real yeah. adventure begins. It's just like how Jesus had to be born before he could go on his No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, like each episode is also a, a holiday themed episode. So it's like a robot's Christmas, follow the star. A robot's, a robot's Thanksgiving. A robot's Thanksgiving, and then... Thanksgiving's before Christmas. No, but I'm saying, like, yeah, but hold on. I have an idea for a robot's Thanksgiving, thank you. It's This is why I picked it. I haven't. I thought about this. Very hard. Huh? Is it a prequel? No, it's... It's next year. A year, year. later. It's next year. Okay. So you've all your other ones, like a robot Hanukkah and whatever. <laughs> and then, um... A robot Thanksgiving... I can't believe I'm saying a robot. A robot's Thanksgiving <laughs> would be... He meets his real family, right? He finds his real parents, and they are f- southern rednecks that live on the planet. They couldn't afford a better life for him, and they teach him the good, hard meaning of Thanksgiving. But like this film, ham-fistedly and incorrectly, <laughs> where they teach him basically, screw over Indians. <laughs> That's what they teach him, and he's like, oh, and then he sings a song. Culturally offensive. Ryan, what do you mean by incorrectly? I also have one statement that I think will sum up a robot's Christmas. I've seen a lot of Christmas films. As have you. As have you, Will. As have you, the audience, probably. I've never seen a Christmas film like a robot's Christmas. I've never seen a Christmas film that I feel is the most... A robot's Christmas is a Christmas movie made clearly by Jewish people. (laughs) That's how I feel about it. It feels like the most, like, removed thing. Like, it feels like, because there's a lot of Jewish things going on in it. The music, the certain acting, certain, like, characteristics. And it has this approach to Jesus that's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, like, it feels like the people who make this aren't Christians, but they've been given this... This little... Because there is the Christian film scene that you have to tackle, right? Oh, right. And because, like I said, it was very it's, um, vague. They weren't like, yeah. oh, he was the son yeah, of yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, There's a Christian film industry. I feel like these are a bunch of Jewish scam artists that are like, yeah, let's do our Christmas movie about a bunch of robots. And they're like, great. <laughs> and that's Because it's so not Christmassy. They came a point where I said, like, oh, this is a Christmas movie. And Barty's like, oh, thank you for reminding me about that. Because it's just so removed. It's like, I would say the title, A Wobot's Christmas. But I wouldn't register the Christmas part, like, while watching it. Obviously, before, I was like, oh, well, clearly it's a Christmas film. You gave me a reason to believe in myself. You've dusted off my heart and took it off of the shelf. Well, here's the thing, Ryan. You saw it last year, and you told me that you saw it with your housemates. Yeah. Um, and you did tell... You did actually summarise it for me then, but the only thing I really remembered was that there were a bunch of robots that were called Wobots. Yeah. And I think you did actually tell me that the whole Jesus Christianity thing that's part of it. Yeah. But I didn't think about it much, so when you told me today... When I came that we were watching a Wobot's Christmas, I'm like, oh, okay, I remember you telling me about that. And I didn't say what I remembered from but For some reason, Jesus was sticking in my mind. As I'm like, he, as he I'm does. Like, am, I, am I mistaken, or did Ryan say that Jesus had something to do with this film? And then when, like, 40 minutes goes by, and you just see Yeah, and then Jesus. when they get to the place, and 
um, the guy mentions, let me tell you the real meaning of Christmas. <laughs> the music that changes. One, no, no, not even the music. Just when he said the real meaning of Christmas, I'm like, oh, maybe I wasn't mistaken. And right, <laughs> your reaction was, ah, this is it. This is it. Which obviously for this show, we won't have many this is it because it's all blind viewings. But that was the thing that made me think, oh my God, this is the thing that's going to happen. This is it. And mind you, for all that we're talking about it, it really doesn't matter that much mm. like all it really ends up doing is making them more confident and going yeah. to take him down like it's really not that big a deal that no but it is so like, out of nowhere but simply saying it much like many things about this film simply like when i mentioned the classification person can we talk to the government person that had to watch this <laughs> that it? like that like that's the kind of things that you think about it. i love that I mean, it was a comedy. There were a bunch of funny lines in it. Well, well. Well, you mentioned jokes that you liked. Do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> yeah, I had the one paint joke. Well, remember, I didn't focus on it too much, but in the scene where they're driving to the mall yeah. um, and they meet the villain, there's actually a chase sequence with uh, that villain. Yeah, and this I remember, is good. And there were, there were some funny... Well, there were some lines being exchanged with the villain and some of his thugs. Yeah. Um, and one of them was like... Uh, Oh. Seize them! And then the robot thug goes, yeah, I see them. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That wasn't a joke, but it was good. And there was Steve. Well, well, well talk about well, Steve. It was, a, it, was, it was kind of a pun. Yeah, talk about Steve. Yeah. And he was, was your favourite. Steve. Uh, yeah, I remember there was a Steve, but there was another like little thing with that scene where... Like, he, he said seize them, they all chased him, but then one of them didn't chase him. That's Steve. And they're like, yeah, well, why, why didn't you chase him? He's like, oh, I just you know wanted to help you carry the stuff. And the guy's like, oh, thanks. Oh, thanks, Steve. It's the only time we see the bad guy be good. Like, it's like, oh, thanks, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's like, he's very understanding in that scene. Like, when he said seize them, he's like, oh, I guess, yeah, that's what you heard. It's like, oh, you stayed to help? Thanks. Yeah. I like Steve's a recurring character, too, because near the end, he dresses up as a bear, which is one of my favorite. Well, to be fair, there is a joke in there that I also like outside the paint joke, which is the bad guy has a mirror, which is, again, I have to raise this up. He has a mirror and he's oh, flicking yeah. through on his cane, which is a cybernetic cane with an eyeball on it. Through the mirror, we see him in different costumes, but in our perspective of him, like, standing there, he's not wearing those costumes. Like, in the mirror, he's flipping through costumes. He goes, like, oh, which one would be appropriate? Santa Claus, an elf, the sugar plum fairy. And then when he rocks up to the orphanage, he's, he decided on none of those, and it took us a few moments to figure out that he decided on S Scrooge. He decided on dressing as Ebenezer Scrooge, and that cracked me up. I was like, what a great... He chose a villain. There were also other jokes, like um, when they got to Scrap Town, there was the thing of Iceman. Yeah, that was a joke, I guess. Where he said, like, thanks, Wingman. Like, it was, thanks, Iceman. Wingman, anytime. It was, a re it was a reference. Get it? Yeah, I haven't seen the film, but yeah. I assume that's... You get it? It's a reference. That was a joke, Will. Did Top you gun. laugh? Oh, is that what it is? Could I say Wasn't something it? I honestly yeah, liked? I'm joking. Of course I know what it is. I, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen the film, so I... You know. <sighs> and there was also the... the what was it? Um, the, the, the door that had the text on it? The hugs? Uh, there's a moment where... Robo hugs? Robot hugs. And it opened the yeah, door. Right. It has a door that has printed on it, Robot hugs. But the door opens, and it's actually Robo thugs. Yeah. And the sassy black robot goes, Mercy me! <laughs> and we all laughed, except for Will and I. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that means only I laughed. 
well, I'm going to ask a daring question. Okay, hit me. <laughs> Do you have a favourite character in this? Um, You can't say Pip. It's too no, obvious. No, you can say Pip. <laughs> if Will's the Pip of the team. Pip, dippity dip. Um, Beep. Uh, no. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of like how the villain had removed his own eye and sort of cybernetically put it in his cane. Yes. That was, oh, I mean, I'm not sure what the fucking point of that was, but... For a mad scientist thing, that's alright. I'd honestly say that's... Yeah, that's, that's okay. I like, I like that, I, I guess. I, I love Will's answer. It was no, but I, I liked the eyeball on the stick. Yeah. But, it was a nice touch. Bartek, you, you have a favourite? Did I have a favourite? It's it's a tricky one because there were so many colourful characters in the film. Oh yeah, there were so many. I like the design of Mod. I'm glad that you did. Big lips and, you know... A skirt. Skirt. <laughs> Big lips and skirt. <laughs> that makes me sound very plain, but you know, those were very notable features that she but had. But he likes the kind of woman he likes. Big lips and a skirt. Actually, not too big on lips, but yeah. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, ladies? If you've got lips, you're not going to get a bartender. Yeah. Are you, big, yeah. are you big on skirts? <laughs> he loves skirts. Of course I love skirts. What he am I? fucking I'm a, hates I'm lips. A man. He fucking hates lips. <laughs> on the mouth and on the vagina. He's, he's anti-lips. <laughs> he's anti-lips. But look, that's just her design. I, I think her, which is mod, is also voiced obviously by a 50-year-old Jewish man. It's a dump, honey. If you're getting all misjudged, you're just choking on the smog. Welcome to Scrap Town. Um, the, the boss was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, he was the character that I imagine you being if we had to cast this ourselves. Yeah, him. Yeah, okay. you'd be him, or you would be um, you. If I had to choose one of the robots, you would obviously be. Let me have a look. If I had to choose one of the robots, you would be this is PD. <laughs> you know what? I like PD. Of the robots, I reckon I'd give I give. I would be Shiny Man Five Thousand. Do I dare I don't know. You're, you're too witty. He was pretty witty. I would be Jubot. And Will would be Sassy Black Woman. He's got too many things on his plate. I'm I can, I can see Will as Lifter or maybe Shiny Man. Nah, Will is clearly... Wait, is... no. I take back Shiny Man because that implies that Will's not witty. <laughs> but you can tear off his limbs very easily. My favourite character was Commodore. I fucking love him because he just runs up. He has a moustache. He's like, let me tell you about the man Jesus. And then he doesn't do anything else. That's it. He tells him about Jesus. The film ends. That that's his film ending. What's that term in the, the hero's journey? Like the person that teaches you? Mentor. Thing? Yeah, the mentor. He's like the mentor in a way. A one scene wonder mentor. Yeah, it's like if in Kill Bill, instead of He's in Kill Obi-Wan. Bill 2... You know, in Kill Bill 2, instead of having the whole sequences with the mentor, it's just one sequence where she rocks up and is like, let me tell you about the man with Jesus. And she's like, I'm going to kill Bill now with Jesus powers. I think I've said it all. Jewish people made this as a scam to get in the Christian market. It's a mystery as to who's really involved behind this, as far as I can tell. This film, I would recommend with caution watch it with a group of people it's only under an hour it's on youtube 
um, watch it with a group of people knowing that you're going to watch shit, but you should check it out just to see it for yourself. Will. Will. Anything you want to bring up, and would you recommend this? Um, <laughs> it's, it's difficult to know what to bring up. It's, <laughs> I feel, Violent. I feel about 85 right now. <laughs> Um, I don't think I would recommend... I don't think I would recommend this film. But you don't know. <laughs> I don't think I know anything anymore. He doesn't... He won't recommend... He. But that's a no for recommendations from Will. That's pretty incredible. So, Ryan, yeah, I'm not sure if this film actually exists, and I'm not sure if I exist anymore. <laughs> I had fun watching it. Yeah. It was a weird thing, and, you know, weird things are kind of fun sometimes, especially when you have someone by your side to watch it with you. Um... It wasn't boring, so it, if you're asking, like, is it entertaining, it's like you'll certainly feel something out of it, you get a reaction out of it. Um, there are some funny lines, like, it's not as well written as uh, a certain other film that we've talked about on this show that I said we wouldn't talk about anymore, but it is definitely a thing that exists, you know, Will wasn't sure, I can confirm that, you know, we, we all saw it, we all had a collective not hallucination. I didn't hallucinate. No. Ryan's already seen it before, so you know he definitely knows it exists. I've had a fever dream twice. <laughs> Any weird thing Ryan says, it's just for dramatic effect, because he's such a drama queen. Um, it's it's a film that I, I can definitely see it would be hard to place on a good bad spectrum mm. because it's just something you have to see and interpret for yourself. I suppose mm. it's certainly not well animated <sighs> but that's kind of the charm that is part of the charm like some people think that Jimmy Neutron doesn't look that great but you know it, 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 it's and it's animation style is very much a trademark of the property yeah you'll um, never forget it <laughs> <laughs> and the songs are I, I call it catchy and that can be either a good or bad thing so take of that what you will yeah I, I look I I would say that I liked it. I I'd watch it with friends. Um and then when you're done with it you can have a little you can start a, you can start off your speech with what was that and then go from there. I would also preface with our recommendations about getting a group of people. Probably wise not to tell them much about the film because if you do I think they'll be like will and run away at the I'm prospect. Still here. No, but like you're running away mentally. Um they probably wouldn't want to watch it, but this is one of these ones where you trap them to watch it. I think I think this is just a trap joy. Oh, you can have it be like a thing like, guys, check this out. And if you've got like a reputation for showing people things like that, they're like, oh, what's he got this time? I did not stretch out for that. You guys, as always, have been fantastic, amazing, wonderful listening people, and I really do thank you for joining us on this journey. This is going to be a work in progress type show that we're going to work on a few things, get the kinks in right, and uh, yeah, we're just playing it free and easy. Um, I don't know how regularly we'll do this, but it's just something a bit different, something a bit unusual. A Christmas present for you and for us. Will, as always, you are a Christmas present and a delight to have Thank you on the show. Bartek, I'm glad that we are both Polish. And, and we both spit. And Ryan, I'm glad that you're talking. Wyan. Sorry. Wyan. As always, you guys, amazing. Remember to be kind to each other.
But wait, Ryan, the guy that assaulted us, we forgot that he had a boss. <gasps> no, not a boss. And we need a fifth person to take him out. It's you, me, Will, and Charlie. Charlie. We need now a character from a Wobot's Christmas. Can I choose another from Legend of the Frosty Snowman? Yes, but Wait. he gets killed off instantly. Oh. Wait, if, if I pick Jesus, is that cheating? Yeah, can I pick baby Jesus? Yeah, I'm going to pick potato baby Jesus because you know he changed the world. It's a, it's a unique uh, representation of a public domain character I'm a bit disappointed that we'd have to stoop that low, but I do like the idea of Jesus being our fifth person. But he's animated, like, the way he is, with the eyes, and he doesn't get out of the manger, because he's right. just freshborn. All right, we pick Jesus, and we take out the boss. Who was the boss? The boss of the guy that tried to kill us earlier. But who was the boss? Uh, just, his name was... Was it you, his name the was, listening people? His name was Ulrich Listenpipple. I hate that guy. All of a sudden, a sixth person comes up and they're like, no, hey, no, 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 right. And they're like, hey, Shit. hey, why didn't you pick me? It's a Wobot's Christmas character and he was our second choice. Who is it? Nice try, boss. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. But you're not getting me to think about a Wobot's Christmas anymore. And nor should you guys, unless you want to watch it, which is fine, but... I- I recommended it, it, so... I'll watch it with you, I guess. (laughs) I'm glad that we watched these films. Will you go for a third watch, Ryan, after watching it twice? Um, look, Suicide is also on the table. Do I want to do that? (laughs) I don't know. So that's the mature theme. (laughs)